Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Way. Back with you guys for another episode of our Press Box series, from which I'm joined by our colleagues from over at Football.London to talk about the week's events and look ahead, of course, to the next Arsenal fixture. But there is lots of England action to be talking about and a certain debut for a player that could not be more deserving of it. Uh, of course, talking about Aaron Ramsdale, which we'll come on to in a second. But I'm very happy to be joined, first of all, by Chris Wheatley. How are you doing, Matt? Are you well? Yeah, really good. Um in the mood for another international game tonight. So, um, yeah, I hope you guys are well as well. I I never seem to ask about you guys, but I hope you're feeling (laughs) well, hope you're doing well. We're good, we're good. Kai, are you good? I've answered for you there, but I'm assuming you're, you're also well. I, yeah, I am. I am good. I am well. I, I am not sharing the same optimism about international break, though. I'm hoping it's over as soon as possible, but I'm glad it's giving us some stuff to talk about at least. Yeah, on this, this morning's Arsenal Agenda show with Bailey and Umar, they both said that they felt it had gone quickly and I could not empathise with them at all. Like it, <laughs> it hasn't felt like that whatsoever for me. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the weekend. We're going to talk about Liverpool shortly, but as it is the international break, very much still, uh, and there are reports emerging that it is expected that Aaron Ramsdale will get his first England cap this evening in the game against San Marino. I mean, Kyra, if you are a goalkeeper and there is a game that you want to play in to try and keep a clean sheet. I'm imagining against San Marino is not a bad place to start. That's one way of looking at it. I suppose the other way of looking at it is if you're a goalkeeper and you can see San Marino, then that's <laughs> Well, that must be the difference between me and you. Yeah, yeah. I think we've, 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 we've had a little bit of an insight into my mental state. I don't know. But um, no, I, I think Ramsdale is going to be great. I think he's... Uh, I'm, I'm really hoping... I mean, we're expecting it to be confirmed that he's going to be starting tonight. I think that'll be great for him. I think it's deserved. I think he is the best goalkeeper in England right now, as in terms of English goalkeeper. Not better than Edison uh, Edison or Alisson, I don't think. But um, I think, yeah, I think he will become England number one. It's a matter of time. And I think it's going to be the the first of many appearances for him. Mm, Absolutely. I mean, Chris, it's such a turnaround, isn't it, from when we think about Ramsdale and the, the, the rumours when it was first touted that he was signing for Arsenal that of course you broke for everybody and talking specifically about the reaction I mean I'm sure in your your Twitter responses you were not alien at all to the response from many Arsenal fans about those initial links to now seeing him put forward as quite clearly who should be getting that England number one spot right now it's it's a big turnaround isn't it? Yeah you know how to trigger me Tom you, you, you knew that would trigger me and yeah like I think Ramsdale has been fantastic and it's difficult to um, say much more than what's already been said. I think Kai has written a lot of great content about him in recent weeks, as, as has yourself, Tom. Um, and I think it's a big moment for him if he starts. Um, but I kind of look at it like San Marino is not the, the biggest test for a goalkeeper. I, mm. I think it's good um, that he gets his, you know, his big cap. He gets his uh, opportunity. But really, you want to be testing yourself uh, against. Uh, uh, I don't want to insult San Marino. Maybe there's some fans of San Marino watching the streams. So I don't want to um, insult them. But you know, you want to be playing against a competitive side. But yeah, no, great to see Ramsdale. Um, hopefully, getting his start tonight. Absolutely. Uh, and there could be more minutes on the field for a Millsmith throw, of course, Kaya. And of course, Bukaya Saka didn't play uh, in the game against Albania, but could get some minutes here. And interesting also to see Conor Gallagher called up to the England side as well. It does go to show, with, and uh, Arsenal's obviously responsible for a lot of this, the amount of young talent coming through this England team all of a sudden. Yeah, it's funny. We were having this, uh, the, the episode last week where we were all quite angry about the fact there were no 
Uh, Arsenal players were angry about the fact Conor Gallagher hadn't made it, and then fast mm. forward four days and look look what we were all talking about. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think I, I won't use the word golden generation because we've we've been <laughs> down that path before with England, but it's a it's a good crop of youngsters. Um, if you look at the mid, the positions of sort of weakness, you would say for England are midfield. I I personally think and goalkeeper, and obviously Ramsdale has emerged as a real contender in the goalkeeping positions and then in central midfield you've got players like Conor Gallagher coming through Bellingham at Bristol Dortmund doing fantastically out there as well so it's looking good um they came very close at the Euros and I think they they arguably could have won that maybe should have won that when they were on top in the first half probably should have gone for it a bit more but that's easily said in hindsight but yeah it's looking good for Qatar next year obviously it's difficult to speculate because you never know what injuries that kind of things are going to be like but they seem England to have a lot of the ingredients to make a, a very good side, all that strength in the uh, in the forward areas, and obviously defense is looking a bit better now. And um, yeah, midfield goalkeeper starting to look a little bit better too. Absolutely. Now, one player in the setup of the England team is, of course, Raheem Sterling, who had a fantastic uh, summer with the England side, and he has seen some links with Arsenal crop up over the last week or so, amongst other teams as well. Some crazy stories, Chris, around a loan with a £50 million obligation being kind of touted. What do you make of these reports? And, uh, and would you also take Raheem Sterling at Arsenal? I've got to be honest, Tom, it's the first I've heard. I need to start paying more attention. To the, <laughs> oh, I get uh, right into the doldrums <laughs> of Arsenal rumours, I tell you. Yeah, um, and I think Raheem Stone has been linked quite a few times, hasn't he, over the past few transfer windows. And I think probably Mikel Arteta's links with Manchester City certainly um, helps that. But I don't think there's anything in it from what I've heard. I mean, I haven't heard anything. So, um, yeah, he's a good player. Not quite sure that Arsenal would need him. Um, and that's it, really. So you wouldn't take him? Say if I let's put it theoretically on the table: fifty million quid, and he's yours. No, not for fifty million. No, interesting. I don't think he's worth that. Um, maybe twenty million, perhaps. But wow, I, I wouldn't pay fifty million for. Kaya, your face. Are you disagreeing there? I don't think Raheem Sterling's worth twenty million. I, I, I also wouldn't take him at Arsenal. By the way, I think. Um... If he were to come in, that would have to block one of Saka or Smith Rowe, wouldn't it? Because those two have been the wingers and that's their best positions. And then you think about Martinelli as well, coming through potentially on the left wing. So I don't really see the point making that sort of signing. Obviously, he's a fantastic player and um, he's worth a decent amount of money. Um, but, <laughs> Look, uh, sorry to interrupt, but if Raheem Sterling's worth 50 million, how much are Bakayo Saka and Emil Smith Rowe worth? 70, 80 Crazy money. The young English players, young English players go for big amounts of money. Like, look at if Ben White is worth 50 million, and we've seen how good he's been, but like, if you look at that sort of in terms of he's English and young, that's sort of like a, a standard bearer, I think. And if you look at Ramsdale players like that, that's a sign that sort of the, the quote unquote English tax that gets put on players in the transfer market is a thing. So I think mm-hmm. Sterling would be. <laughs> I think if Arsenal were to get Sterling for 50 million, that would maybe be a good business in terms of the value. But I think it'd be terrible for the squad. Not terrible. I think it'd be bad for the pathways of those young players, just because players like Saka and Smith are only going to get better if they start playing more, if they play every week. And that's why they're improving. That's why they're so important to Arsenal. I, I agree that. I just want to have to pause because otherwise, Kai's speakers pick up my voice. But in terms of the. The, the idea of kind of the pathway being blocked. This is this is an argument I know comes up quite a lot, but it's something that I 
I struggle to get fully on board with because I look at kind of the biggest teams, not just in England, but across the world. And one of the biggest things about sides that are able to consistently maintain a challenge, not towards just the title, but also towards targets like top four, is that they've got strength and depth in all of these positions. And you look at Manchester City's bench, which often now contains Raheem Sterling. That's because Grealish is there, Foden's there, Mahrez is there, Bernardo Silva is there. They've got an absolute ridiculous amount of depth. And then you look at, say, a side like Liverpool, that were able to kind of maintain the fitness of their entire side for the most of their Premier League winning campaign. Um, and because of that, they didn't have to worry about, say, death. But with Arsenal, we know that we've suffered with injuries. We know that Smith Rowe is a player that suffered with injuries himself. Is it not a good idea to, to maybe, uh, if the opportunity to sign, say, a player of Sterling's quality, who I do believe, in my view, is a £50 million is a good deal for him, would, would that not be a good positive for Arsenal to add that strength in depth? Either of you, feel free. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're, both, we're both too polite to butt in ahead. Chris, do you want to go or shall I, shall I go? No, you go. You go. You okay, uh, my, my argument would be that um, signing players just for the sake of having good players in the squad doesn't always necessarily benefit the team. Mm. So if you look at all the business Arsenal did this summer, it's been quite clever in the sense that you can clearly see how they're going to fit into the squad. Someone like Nuno Tavares was the backup to Kieran Tierney, although he seems to be coming in. Uh, Aaron Ramsdale was the goalkeeper who was going to come in and challenge Bernd Leno, that kind of thing. Um, I think it would be a departure from what Arsenal have done in the transfer window recently in terms of investing in youth and investing smartly, investing in players who are going to have a place in the squad. I just don't see how Sterling, who I think personally is at his best on the left wing and can also play on the right, you're not going to bring him in for 50 million to be back up to Bukayo Saka and you're not going to bring him in to be back up to Emil Smith-Rowe. So I just don't think it would make much sense. I think you want someone who is similar quality but um i'm not sure i i think the strength and depth argument it works for a team like man city who can afford to pay those kind of wages but i don't think it quite works as well for a team like Arsenal. chris what do you make about the idea of the the smith row and and the Saka side of things but also if you want to get to where you want to be which is putting arsenal back on the pedestal of being title challenges well no sounds fanciful but it is where we ultimately as arsenal fans want to be again is there, is there an element of ruthlessness that needs to come into squad building that we can love players like Saka and Smith-Rowe? And I'm not saying that Sterling's better than either of those two, but just saying a case in point where we're linked to a player that is perceived to be on the same level or better than those two, that bringing them in would be beneficial for the squad. Yeah, perhaps. But I think it's also like a kind of fantasy football type signing. It's like a, a signing that from the outside would look quite good. But I'd kind of question why... Would Raheem Sterling want to join Arsenal at this stage in his career? I'd, I'm not quite sure it would be a move really that makes a lot of sense for him. Um, I think if it was, if I was him, I'd probably be looking to go abroad, uh, maybe to one of the top teams in Spain. We know at the moment they're struggling financially, but I think that's the kind of move that is probably going to be one of his last big moves in his career that would make the most sense. So, I agree that maybe someone more experienced should be brought in to kind of guide those um, young players. But I think Saka and Smith Rowe were relied on throughout most of last season. Uh, Smith Rowe, the, the second half of the season. Um, and I think they showed that they have maturity above their years. So not, I don't really buy the, the kind of thing that Arsenal needs someone like Sterling right now. Fair enough. Um, he, of course, being... No, I didn't mean that. Fair, fair enough. No, that's fine. I... <laughs> You're entitled to your opinion, you know. Um, but no, that... obviously, for me, Sterling is, is a player that 
I agree in the sense that why would he move to Arsenal? Is he going to have the same motivation playing for a side like Arsenal as he does at Man City? Is that move being a step down, open up just the route because he wants to get more minutes? And if he doesn't get those minutes because we've got so much faith in Smith Rowe and, and, and Saka, of course, that means that his own kind of morale, his own determination would drop when he was given minutes. It's a it's a really kind of, you know, complicated technical kind of route of looking at that signing. But it's one that I suppose we'll, we'll keep following into the next couple of windows as we expect those links to crop up once again. Um, formerly of Liverpool, and Liverpool are our next uh, opposition, as are a number of teams that are in and around these top four places with Manchester United, Everton, who whilst aren't close to it, certainly want to be and are going to be no easy test. And then, of course, West Ham United comes up a little bit later, December 15th, I think that game is. It's going to be very tricky, uh, Kaya, between now and Christmas to navigate these fixtures quite like we've navigated the last 10 games of our unbeaten run. There are bigger tests in this run than some of the games that we've played in this 10 games. Do you think by Christmas that will give us the biggest kind of determination about where this team are and what their ambitions realistically are this season? Probably. Uh, this, this run of fixtures is the first one where... I'd say the, the fixture list starts to compress a bit more. So Arsenal, obviously not being in Europe, have had the luxury of um, more or less a week off for every single game, apart from when there's been Carabao Cup matches. That's going to change in December. So that's going to be a big thing, see how this Arsenal squad cope. And they're going to have to rely on the squad a lot more than they have done in the past few games. There's barely been any changes. Obviously, Tavares in Fini, Lacazette for Erdegaard, but that's pretty much been it. You can't go through the whole of December using just 13 players of your squad. It's not possible. It's... it's never ever works out in terms of injuries and suspensions and all that kind of stuff so yeah I, I'm interested to see how Arsenal cope um, it's probably yeah a good litmus test I think just where you are in January in general is normally a good litmus test of how realistic your European hopes are or where you're going to be towards the end of the season I think if Arsenal can pick up some good points I think what is it it's Man U Newcastle sorry Liverpool Newcastle Man U and then I think you mentioned Everton as well. So Northampton as well is in there as well. Northampton as well. So from those five games, I think if West Ham, Ham Leeds, mm-hmm. Sunderland. All right, we can oh, we can all we can all recite fixtures. <laughs> we can we can go we can go till the end of the season. But um, I'd say for this for this little those five games because I'll, I'll lose lose track of the maths if I if I have to do any more than five games. But ten points from those fifteen, I think, would be a very very good return for Arsenal. And we said I think. Before this run of 10 fixtures, if Arsenal were able to get something like uh, 15, 20 points, then we'd be happy. They ended up getting closer. I think it was 20... God. Uh, I don't know why I've set myself up with this. Match, I'm just going <laughs> to... We'll math, move on. It? We'll move on swiftly from that. But basically, they got a lot of points uh, from the games where we were expecting them to maybe slip up a bit. And mm. they've they've impressed. So I think, yeah, like you, like you were saying, basically, in answer to your question, yes, I've run myself around in circles to get there and tie myself up in all sorts of mathematical knots. But yes, I think it will be a good litmus test for where Arsenal are going to be in terms of the European places if they come through this run relatively unfit. For the benefit of the listeners, the, the next five games are Liverpool away, Newcastle at home, Man United away, Everton away, and then Southampton at home, followed by that sixth game being a home game against West Ham, which is massive. Chris, the we first game... Yeah, we did. <laughs> the first game on that list is Liverpool. 
And I've seen an entire spectrum of points of view about how to kind of look at this game for Arsenal. There's one end of the spectrum, people saying it's a free hit, like Liverpool are, and they are, for my money, still title favourites. I know they've had a couple of issues in recent weeks, but I think they've got the best starting eleven in the league and should be competing for that title this season and therefore going to a place like Anfield with the expectation of trying to get something from a side like Arsenal, who's, if we're being honest our ambition this season was probably just to get back into the Europa League at a minimum this year is I can see why people might call it a free hit. However, with the 10 games that we've now been on in that unbeaten run with eight of those, of course, being in the league, you look at the expectation that's growing and how we're currently just three points off second place and were we to beat Liverpool would actually go above them. There is the argument on the other side that if we were to, say, have a performance like we saw against Manchester City, where we kind of completely kind of fall apart against one of the big six sides away from home, that it could have a really detrimental impact to the the fixtures that will follow this Liverpool game. So where do you sit yourself along that spectrum of, of viewing the match? Yeah, I'm just refreshing um, the fixture list just so I can remember. <laughs> you, know, you know what? It's so easy to lose track of uh, the amount of games, the amount of things that happen in in the matches. But yeah, like, you look at the the teams that Arsenal have played in that unbeaten run. I think maybe the, the the best team, or yeah, I mean Leicester, Spurs, Villa are probably the best teams, aren't they? There, I think we, it's already been said by a lot of people that you know the next few fixtures are going to be, I think, season defining. I don't think I'm going over the top by saying that, am I? Um, no. no, I think season-defining, I would say it is. And uh, in answer to your question, I think it is a, a free hit in terms of what Arsenal need to do. They know they, they can go there. Um, difficult place to go. Anfield, you never walk alone. Um, <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking, <laughs> in, talking in cliches again. Um, but yeah, look, it's going to be a really, really uh, interesting game. And I think... Liverpool as well, missing three players, potentially. I think Jordan mm. Henderson is doubtful as well, Sadio Mane. So, yeah, we're going to have to uh, wait and see how the game goes. But I'm I'm confident and I think free hit is the best description, really. Do you agree, Kai? Free hit, Liverpool? I wouldn't go as far as free hit. I'm not just trying to be contrarian to Christmas. There's a lot of debates going on today. I'm we liking this. I, I know. Like this. I don't know what's, what's <laughs> happening between me and Christmas. Something we're disagreeing on everything today. But um, my... Free hit for me implies that you can go there, lose three, four, five, and it'll be fine. You just be fine the next game. I wouldn't quite go that far. I think this Arsenal sides have set standards for themselves that mean that I think they want to be competing. So I think the players won't view it as a free hit. I don't think the manager will view it as a free hit. I think they'll be going there thinking we want to take points one or three. And I, I don't think um I don't think if Arsenal lose this game convincingly that everyone will be coming away thinking, I don't think realistically that will be everyone coming away thinking, oh, well, it was Liverpool away. I think people will be disappointed because of how well this Arsenal side have played in recent weeks. It's a game that obviously, I, free hit is, it's a very strong term. Um, I think that it's a game where all the pressure is on Liverpool. You, you look at their last two fixtures, Brighton draw, West Ham lost. They need to turn things around and it's at home for them. Uh, I don't think they'll like the fact that they're going to be facing Arsenal in this fixture. I think they'll look at Arsenal as a big threat to them, uh, especially after the last 10 games that we've just mentioned. So for me, it's a game where the pressure is off us. We can go up there and just play our game, focus on how solid we can be defensively. And we know that we've improved a lot in that area. And then just hope and pray that the chances that we do create, we can take. Because that's the biggest question about this Arsenal side is whether they can take those chances. Because we've got a good foundation to to build upon with how good we've been defensively. I don't want to 
you know, go for every single fixture. But I would be interested in doing, and so maybe we could reflect on this in our press box show later on in December, is is to get some predictions points-wise from you guys in those 10 games. So what we'll do is, is we'll go through, because I know Chris loves this, we'll go through the next five games, and all you need to say is how many points we'll get from each of the five fixtures. Okay? So, Kaya, we'll start with you on Liverpool. How many points? I'm going to have to say zero, I'm afraid. Okay. Chris? Much I'd like to be wrong. One. I'm going to go with one as well, because we're just so much more optimistic than Kaya. Uh, New- <laughs> Newcastle, Kaya. Home to Newcastle. Three. It's got to be three. Chris? Three. And I'm going to go three. He thought about well. saying something different just to be, just to be three. <laughs> yeah, lucky you. <laughs> yeah. We'll start with Chris then this time. Manchester United away. Um... Zero. Kaya. Three. I'm going to go three as well. <laughs> How things change so quickly. <laughs> uh, Kaya, Everton away. One. And Chris? Three. Uh, I'm going to go... I'm going to basically say we're going to win the league at this point. Uh, and three as well. Uh, Chris, <laughs> Southampton at home. Three. Kaya. It's got to be three. And I'm going to go three as well, which means I'm seeing us drop just two points in that run of five <laughs> games, which is crazy. Um, I look forward to revisiting that after our press box uh, against Southampton about where we are at the end of that run. Uh, but it's going to be interesting indeed. Um, just some last things to kind of pick up before we wrap things up. Kaya, talking specifically about kind of how you view uh, Arteta approaching that first game against Liverpool, do you think he goes into it with the mind that, Again, we just focus on ourselves like we have done. We did that quite a lot against, I felt like we did it against Leicester. We played our game for the first, you know, first 20 minutes. So got that lead. And then gradually, once we got kind of an established lead in the game, focused on just trying to hold it and manage the game for the rest, which allowed Leicester to kind of build themselves into it more. Or do you think that he's going to go quite tactfully, look at how teams like Brighton and West Ham have got things from that Liverpool game and try to kind of mirror the same effective tactics that they used? He'll be looking at those Brighton and West Ham games for sure. We know Mikel Arteta likes to prepare his teams quite in depth. But what was interesting, I don't know if you saw the Takeru Tomiyasu column uh, that he did for a Japanese outlet. I can't remember the name of the Japanese outlet. But he said that once the players go on the pitch, it's sort of up to them. So he's, I think maybe we're a bit harsh on him, I guess, in terms of how much structure he put on those players. Maybe because it's Liverpool, we'll see a little bit more attention to structure. I think a lot of it will actually depend on personnel available so I, I don't know we don't know yet if Thomas Partey is going to be fit I think if he is fit that'll be a massive boost because I think he's Arsenal's most press resistant midfielder and Liverpool we all know are excellent when it comes to the press so if it's Ainsley Maitland-Niles and Sambi Laconga in the midfield maybe we'll see a slightly more defensive approach just to accommodate for the fact that there's a possibility that we might um, lose the ball a little bit closer to the goal but I think I, I think Arteta has been pretty confident in his selections and like you say there's Leicester game the Villa game the Spurs game Arsenal played um their their game there basically they they didn't switch it up they played what was to their strengths so as much as they'll be aware of what Liverpool are good at and they'll be aware of what Liverpool brings to the table in terms of the press in terms of obviously Mo Salah who I think is the best player in the world right now they'll be aware of that but at the same time they'll be thinking right there's there's things that we can exploit here and they'll want to try and take advantage of it and fingers crossed they're able to 
Oh, best player in the world. Chris, do we agree? Mo Salah? Uh, I mean, I, look, I, we're, I'm happy to share. I just typed in our private chat on StreamYard. Best player in the world, question mark, because I can't believe that that comment. That's uh, what is it? That's I'm so glad this is recorded. Um, yeah, no, he's one of the best defenders in Europe at the moment. But anyway, let's let's um, carry on, Tom. Carry on. Okay, fair enough. I, I dare not say that I agree with Carl. I just have said it. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I was going to ask you more specifically, kind of the on a specific positional choice, because the big debate in the last couple of weeks over the break has been who starts in this game at left back for Arsenal: Tavares or, or Kieran Tierney. Uh, Tierney, of course, has, has gone viral as he likes to do uh, with his nutmegs uh, in the game for Scotland, showing that technical ability. But it's going to be his defensive game, which is going to come into question against arguably the best player in the world in Mohamed Salah uh, when we play against Liverpool. Who would you go for out of the two? Do you go with form or do you go with class being temporary? Um, yeah, class. What's, what's the phrase? I've completely messed that up. Class. class is permanent. There we go. Thank you. Appreciate it. Famous go on. <laughs> um, but yeah, I. Oh, that's a, it's a good question. I know that I know Kai is going to have a really good answer in the bag for this one, but I'm going to go for Nuno Tavares. <laughs> um, I know, Tom, you're a big fan of him. I'm sure you've got maybe a poster of him on your wall. I, Maybe I could be wrong <laughs> after the interview you did with the uh, former Joao Benfica, Trallial, which, yeah. which mm. was fantastic. Good plug Thank for you. that. Um, yeah, no, I think Tavares has been superb in the past few weeks and I think it would be a bit harsh to to take him out for this game. I know Tierney's back now. He's back from injury. Um, he did a nutmeg. Great. Nice five-second <laughs> Twitter clip. That, that's great. But what we need is a, a solid, um, consistent left-back who's been playing well and I think Nuno Tavares is the man um, for that best player in the world again not mm-hmm. quite sure but he's in great form Mohamed Salah and I think um, Tavares you know is fully fit we know what to expect from him I would start you know Tavares Kai we'll finish with with your thoughts on this uh, Chris well, you have a good answer prepped you're under no pressure to provide one now yeah. up against the best player in the world I would probably go for uh, <laughs> Kieran Tierney I think it has to be Tierney just because um, Nuno Tavares He's never played in a game like that. He's never played in an atmosphere like Anfield. I don't really think he's played most of his games with Benfica behind closed doors. Um, it's a big old sort of test to go into for your first big one. Of course, he'll have to come across one of them eventually. But I just think Kieran Tierney has a little bit more defensive solidity, a little bit more know-how. He's a bit, um, I think, more streetwise when it comes to dealing with someone like uh, Mo Salah. And obviously, mm. Arsenal look to attack from the left-hand side, and Kearney will want to do that. But Tavares, for me, is more likely to get caught out of position and give Mo Salah space, and you cannot afford to give Mo Salah any space whatsoever. So I just I just would just about go for Kearney. Although I think Tavares has offered a lot to this Arsenal side, and I like the fact that he's right-footed and can uh, can cut inside. I think that's a really a nice sort of little thing that he's got that maybe Tierney doesn't and um yeah so it will be a, it'll be a close choice but just about Tierney for me Tom? fair enough oh yeah I was tempted to say go to a back three with Tierney left center back and and Tavares left wing back um just to double up on Salah on that side to kind of suffocate the space that he's he's able to have um then you can bring in I don't mind putting Tommy Asu. I know it sounds weird saying Tommy Asu in a wing back role but I think what would happen is that you play Tommy Asu say on the right wing back Gabriel in the middle Ben White right center back and then when we're attacking Tierney kind of shifts to the left back spot 
Tavares pushes up, Tomiassi kind of drops in, so it becomes a back four when we're attacking, and and Tomiassi remains more kind of disciplined. But I don't think that will happen. I think we will go with the back four. I mean, Brighton and West Ham both played West back fours against Liverpool in the games that they got points from them. So you can do it. It's just going to take full concentration from both fullbacks to deal with either obviously it's going to be Mane or Jota depending on the fitness of, of Mane and you expect if Firmino is out and we expect him to be it'll be Origi most likely up top with Jota on the left if Mane and Firmino are both out and Salah on the right so in that sense maybe you could afford to stay with the back four if there's less of a threat of, of Firmino and Mane both not being there it's tricky to predict and I'm sure that Klopp won't give much away in his press conference ahead of that game as to the fitness of, of Mane and we'll want to keep Arteta guessing as Arteta's tried to do in a couple of recent press conferences and keep people guessing about his lineup. But yeah, I, it's, I'm, I'm going to cheat and say I'd go with both. So uh, there you go. Um, massive thank you as always, boys, uh, for coming on. Really appreciate your time. Kaya, tell people where they can find you, mate. Yeah, um, you can see it sort of scrolling along the bottom, but at KayaKainat97, uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm also on Facebook, KayaKainat Journalist, and the Football.London website is where you can find all the other good stuff. Absolutely. Chris, thank you so much, mate. I appreciate you coming on as always. Thank you. Cheers. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> You'd reply. Say, uh, <laughs> tell people where they can find you. I was waiting for that bit. I was ready. Um, Chris, sweetly yeah. underscore. Uh, there you go. Other in stuff. most places yes uh, any content stuff coming out I know you've got interviews planned and uh, well, you've had stuff come out as well so tell people where you can find that Claire is that me <laughs> no it was Chris but it's fine. yeah sorry <laughs> apologies <laughs> oh, what, what a shambles I've been today but yeah no honestly um, in terms of content yes got some piece, bits and pieces coming out the next few days uh, interview with a Arsenal player well, an Arsenal player at the moment, but maybe won't be for much longer. Mm. There you go. So that's, that's the teaser. Lovely stuff. If you could do Marvel trailers, I know who they would employ now. Lovely <laughs> stuff. In fact, I'd rather they did because they give far too much away in their trailers these days. Anyway, we're going to wrap things up there before I want to rant about Marvel. Um, <laughs> we will see you guys once again for the next Press Box show ahead of the Liverpool game. Do tune in tomorrow morning for the 9.30 Arsenal Agenda Series. And if you're interested about Arsenal's transfers, we've produced two interviews over the weekend focusing on Tyler Adams and Dejan Kulisevsky as well. So make sure you check those out. We'll see you again very, very soon and keep following us down the Arsenal way. Oh, yeah.